0: The following Mark's Daily Apple articles were written by Mark Sisson and are narrated by Brock Armstrong.
1: Welcome to Mark's Daily Apple Best of 2014, Volume 5, Getting Unstuck, featuring How to Get Unstuck, Do You Really Believe You Can Change?, and How to Overcome the I'll Do It Tomorrow Instinct. How to Get Unstuck I'm thinking today about the experience of feeling stuck. I hear this a lot from folks who write to me about getting started with the Primal Blueprint. In this situation, you know generally what to do. Maybe you even feel like you have the drive, the motivation to do it, but the car just isn't shifting into gear. When you've tried all the basic tricks, structuring your goal with a succession of low-threshold changes to create small wins, for example, getting outside for a walk every day, linking new behaviors to existing practices and schedules, for example, setting your supplements next to your morning coffee mug each night, making your contingency script, for example, if I'm tempted to do this, I'll do X, then maybe the issue is deeper than any of these tactics can reach. Being stuck implies more than needing additional recipes, strategies, or other day-to-day tools in the box. Being stuck suggests the need for some degree of seismic shift in thinking or living. For some people, they feel stuck in bad habits. Others put it in terms of being stuck in a personal rut. Whatever the language, they're held by a heavy sense of inertia that doesn't quite make logical sense. They feel deflated, exhausted, overwhelmed, alone when they've easily done far more complicated things in their lives than this. It's like they can't get out of the starting gate, or they can't get back up after a fall a ways into the journey. No amount of intricate strategizing or self-criticism does any good— What do you do in this situation? What's possible when you feel like you've covered all the bases but are still getting nowhere? I know many readers will offer their wisdom, but let me throw out some ideas for those of you who are struggling to gain any sense of momentum. Change up your environment. Some folks say we can only handle so much change at once, and advise keeping everything else in your life exactly the same if you're trying to adopt a different diet or add exercise to your routine. That might make sense for some people, but I would be inclined to try a different approach, and I've found it to be true for many people I've worked with on lifestyle changes. Anyone who's quit smoking or drinking, or any other addictive habit, can tell you associations are triggers if you associate coffee with cigarettes every time you have coffee you will think of cigarettes and probably crave one more strongly if every friday you've gone to lunch with your friends and have celebrated the end of the week with a huge carb-filled restaurant meal going out to lunch with that same crew on friday is likely going to challenge your best intentions more so than a solo lunch at home so do what you can to just shake up life for a while Get up earlier or later. Add or subtract something from your morning or nightly routine. Shower at the gym instead of at home. Flex your workout schedule to allow for a longer morning or noon walk or workout, or leave early to save an extra 20 to 30 minutes you would have blown sitting in traffic. Shop for your food at a different store to avoid the same island induced temptations. Use a new set of dishes for all your new healthy meals opt out of certain social gatherings that are more likely to trigger old patterns. The point is to get yourself out of autopilot mode while you're trying to make meaningful changes. Stirring up your daily or weekly routine can subject you to fewer triggers or just keep you on your toes. You'll go through the day more conscious of your choices instead of simply reacting to old cues or stumbling along, too often falling back on the behaviors you're trying to leave behind. Question your schedule and choices. Lose the excuses, or, harder still, legitimate reasons you don't have time to work out or make proper meals. At some point, you can't blame everyone for what you're unwilling to change. Living a primal life is simple, but I don't promise it's entirely convenient in the fast-forward, modern sense of immediate gratification, have it all, do it all. At a certain level, I think the very concept goes against basic well-being. There's an ancestral absurdity to it. Can you imagine Grok and his kin watching many of us scurry around working 60 hours a week, commuting an hour and a half each way, shuttling kids 20 miles to hockey practices, and fitting in multiple volunteer roles, yard work, bills, and all manner of other logistical and social errands? Seriously. Seriously. At some point, we all have to have the talk with ourselves. Does the life I'm living have room for the life I want? It's not the easiest question to face. The answer might leave us unglued, but maybe that's a good thing in the grand scheme. In the, when it's all said and done, after you've made the harrowing changes, your answer obliges. There's no formula here which can make it that much more complex. I choose the balance that makes sense to me as I apply my interpretation of the primal philosophy to my life. The basic question itself, however, applies to all of us at some point in our lives. Start over. I got talking to a woman at a conference about health and transformation. She explained she's been going through a long and difficult divorce process. The experience had changed her entire life and health in totally unexpected ways— Years ago, she'd been in pretty good shape, with a solid enough diet and regular running and spinning classes. Then, the bottom fell out. Over the next few months of stress, she began having major sleep disturbances and hormonal issues, including Hashimoto's diagnosis and adrenal fatigue. She was a mess, she said. Then, as she explained, she gave up any hope of recreating the life and habits she'd had. Instead, she decided to start over and commit to a year of as much self-care as she could put together. She overhauled her budget and started investing in what made her feel good. She stopped doing overtime. She got massages, even if all she could afford that month was a 10-minute sample at a health fair. She ate what made her feel calm but energetic, which meant better quality food and less, if any, grains, coffee, and sugar. She cooked in such a way that her meals felt indulgent. She spent more time on low-level cardio and a few months in took up slower, gentler strength training approaches, mostly strength-focused yoga routines and a bar class. She bowed out of social situations and relationships that didn't fit her vision of her new life. She made few, if any, social commitments, but let herself decide on the spur of the moment what she was up for. She took long baths, went for more hikes, and gave herself more time for leisure reading. She went to bed early. Within a year, her hormones had normalized. Although never overweight, she'd lost abdominal fat and gained muscle mass. She hadn't slept better in years. Above all, she was happier with her life and, as she put it, felt more vibrant. Although she hadn't chosen the circumstances, she let them change her entire outlook for the better. She used it to redefine what she deserved and wanted from life and health. For some folks, it goes this way. It takes something dramatic to wake us up, but once we're awake, we're never the same. The idea is to let the circumstances act on us, to be open to something bigger. Maybe the changes you want are or need to be part of a more substantial shift in life. Embrace that, and you might suddenly find yourself happily unstuck. Get in the flow of your own life, whatever you want to call it. Ask for more. I'm all for individual responsibility, but that doesn't mean eschewing support. People who feel they have to do everything in life alone solely by their own willpower make life harder than it needs to be, and probably a lot less satisfying. Support is always there for us, from some source or other, no matter what. We might find ourselves barking up the wrong tree occasionally, but it simply means we need to look elsewhere. Too often people want to remake their lives and think that old support systems should be enough, should rise to the occasion, should know what they need. Hint, should is generally a self-defeating word. Once in a while, they are, particularly if we approach them differently. Most often, however, they aren't. If we want to expand ourselves in new directions, the onus is ultimately on us, not them, to get what we need. That includes support. There are no points in life for martyrdom. I knew a guy who a few years ago decided it was time to kick obesity to the curb. He started out low-carb before he found the primal blueprint. He wasn't much of a creative cook, but wanted to inspire himself to expand his repertoire. So he started hosting Friday night potlucks at his house. He went all out inviting people, friends, neighbors, acquaintances, friends of friends. He made one dish himself and asked the others to bring something to share, with one condition. It had to be low-carb food. Later it shifted more towards Primal Blueprint style. He was a graphic designer by day and he used his skills to make wacky invitations or advertisements for every event. His guests never knew what to expect. He gave a theme to each gathering, decorated and even made a Facebook page for it. Each week, he got a great meal with plenty of leftovers and several recipes that he knew he liked, all with no boring effort or major expense on his part. Over time, he even organized virtual potlucks on his Facebook page where everyone showed themselves eating dinner. You can imagine the humorous photos that resulted. Many friends and acquaintances eventually told him that those events began to change the way they ate. It was a win-win all around because one guy decided to throw some parties. Get honest about your intentions. Take the temperature on a few basic things. Your motivation, your worthiness. Yes, you read that right. Are you worthy of a big, substantial, beneficial change, or are you more comfortable feeling weak and slightly unhealthy and not quite living a fulfilling life? I'm completely serious here. The fact is, some people are more comfortable waiting for a better life than they are embracing it. Perhaps that describes all of us at the beginning of the process, but I've seen many people over the years self-sabotage their processes because they were deep down afraid to be genuinely happy or vibrantly healthy or in charge of their lives. I'm not trying to out anyone here, but I want to also say that if you identify with any of these points, you shouldn't be ashamed. Trust me. The best thing you can do is realize the truth. Bear with me, but first consider this. Forget a year-long resolution. Some people can do it, and maybe you'll be one of them down the road, but this is now. Don't think about what you and your life will look like in 12 months from now. Don't imagine eating perfectly or even 80% for a year or a month or a week. Heck, don't even imagine eating primal for dinner. That's hours from now and you'll decide that then. Promise yourself absolutely nothing for the future. Yes, do the work of shopping with primal eating in mind. Lay out your gym clothes, set up a meditation corner, have a brochure and map of area parks you could visit for some nature time. Set your alarm to go to bed at a reasonable hour. That's called showing up for the possibility. But don't make a decision about what you will actually do until then. The thing is this about feeling stuck. Too many people look too far ahead and psych themselves out. Tomorrow will exist when it's ready. The same with the next day and the next week and the next month, yada yada yada. You don't need to feel like you can make the decision to eat, move, or live primal all month or all week because it won't be you making that choice then. It will be you with the added reflection and experience of the previous days and weeks. The person you are tomorrow will decide what you will do tomorrow. You can't know what you'll be capable of then. You aren't responsible for knowing what you're capable of then. You're only responsible for right now, for the next food you put in your mouth, the next walk you take, the next message you tell yourself, the next decision you make for how you'll live this life this hour. That's it. Decide nothing. Promise nothing. Expect nothing. But show up for this one hour, and then for the next one, day by day, and see where it all goes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have you found yourself stuck at some point in the journey? Anyone feeling this way now? What approach have you taken? If you consider yourself unstuck, what shifted and how? I'd love to hear your experiences over at MarksDailyApple.com.
0: Are you dealing with nagging health issues? Wanting to bust out of a body composition plateau? Frustrated by mainstream medical care that either conflicts with or is uninformed about your primal practices? Finally, you can engage one-on-one with a respected medical expert aligned with primal principles. Primal Advantage Consulting with Dr. Kate Shanahan lends the best of medical science with ancestral health principles and her experience in metabolic consulting with everyone from regular patients in her clinic to elite professional athletes. Like the Los Angeles Lakers. And you get to take advantage. Work one on one with Dr. Kate to fine tune your dietary habits for weight loss, peak performance, and minimizing disease risk. Visit PrimalBlueprint.com to find out more and enroll in the Primal Advantage program.
1: Do you really believe you can change? There's something about an against all odds account that gets people going. I know I love them. I'm a sucker for a good sports tribute, or even a good story that circulates on Facebook. Being in the field I'm in, I've seen it thousands of times. Heck, look through the Mark's Daily Apple success stories and see how many of those jaw-dropping surprises you wouldn't believe, except you're seeing it there in full pixel glory. Behind every one of those accounts is some kind of energy. It's not unique, it's just persistent. It's a belief that you can leave behind old behavior and restriction. It's a belief that you can walk into a new way of living, the same way anyone else can. It's the belief that you have what it takes to show up for yourself on a daily basis, accomplish the task you set out to do, and let the momentum take you to levels of health you desperately want or maybe can't even envision yet. It's the concept of self-efficacy. Research consistently confirms that our sense of self-efficacy will predict short-term and long-term success in behavior change. In other words, if we believe we can make a change, we are more likely to actually have success in making change happen. If, under the facade of wanting change, however, we ultimately feel we are incapable of accepting or sticking to the necessary behaviors, we are sabotaging ourselves from the start. The concept of self-efficacy was defined by a famous psychologist, Albert Bandura, in 1986. In a seminal article from that same year, a group of researchers applied the concept of self-efficacy to health behaviour, separating it into two parts. Namely, our outcome expectations, which is the expectations about the outcomes that will result from one's engaging in a behaviour, and our efficacy expectations, which is the expectations about one's ability to engage in or execute the behavior. Outcome expectations can come into play when we get stuck in thinking, as the researchers suggest that nothing, not even the most extensive and smart lifestyle change, will help stave off a disease we fully expect to get, like inheriting our parents' diabetes or high blood pressure. Unfortunately, in the nearly three decades since the seminal article, I'd say the fatalistic mindset has more of a collective impact than ever. Culturally, we've come to believe that disease is normal. We should fully anticipate developing one or more significant health conditions as we approach old age, if not middle age. Too many people these days resign themselves to a life of ill health, chalking it up to aging. That said, it's the self-efficacy expectations that undermine most of us. We don't have a problem believing that living primally will help us lose weight, gain energy, build the physical strength and stamina, and achieve great health, as it's done for so many. Beyond the confidence in the approach, however, we wonder if we ourselves will really be able to hack it, to follow through on all the dietary, exercise, and lifestyle changes we want to make— At the end of the day, there's this nagging old voice in the back of our minds asking if we really have it in us to thrive. Is that kind of success really for us to experience, or do we on some half-conscious level believe that thriving is for other people? Will we end up dropping our better expectations for ourselves or curtailing our goal in lieu of more reasonable objectives that diminish the benefit we allow ourselves to experience? How far will our personal sense of self-efficacy take us? Where do we hit the end of the line or our too often self-imposed limitations? Let's jump ahead for a moment. The takeaways from self-efficacy research as it's applied to health behavior suggests a number of points. First off, we are generally better off thinking along the lines of a mastery succession that takes new behaviors through stages. This is especially important for those who are the types to hurl themselves into the pool, taking on a massive change all at once, only to get burned out quickly or caught off guard by influences and choices we can't quite handle yet. Yes, it can work to accept multiple changes simultaneously, but expecting mastery right away in all of them is a setup for major frustration. Self efficacy shifts on a number of factors, including magnitude, which reflects the varying levels of difficulty. We can feel a sense of self-efficacy for the early levels of an endeavor, but not feel it for higher levels of difficulty. Personal experience over time, in addition to the model of others' successes and verbal encouragement, can convince us later to feel self-efficacy for these further, more advanced demands. Likewise, the research suggests we need to view our lapses through a more productive lens. Instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, we can choose to assess what influenced the detour. It's that core primal concept of no failure, only feedback. What hits the nail on the head for me about self-efficacy research are the parameters often assigned to the definition itself. Self-efficacy for a particular task at a particular time. Well, we can say self-efficacy for changing health, but in truth, we need to get more specific. What is the particular task we're trying to accomplish? What is the particular time in which we're attempting to live the behavior change? I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who completely trip themselves up on the fact that they can't see themselves as the spelt man or woman at the beach. Likewise, they'll say they can't look into the future and see themselves as people who run 10Ks or can lift what other people lift at the gym. They can't envision doing five years from now what they can barely motivate themselves to do now. They'll never lose weight. They'll never feel energetic the way they used to. Therein lies the vast majority of self-efficacy issues in my mind. The beach bod example isn't the behavior change itself. That's self-image. If you're wrapped around self-image and can't extricate yourself from the negative messaging, you'll never get to self-efficacy. The I'll never statements. Those are the old stories we tell ourselves, old self-concept we need to let go of in order to assess our present reality rather than be stuck in a distorted perception that imposes its story on everything. Sure, you could call it generalizing poor efficacy, How about we just call it horse, blank. Extract the all-consuming fiction from momentary fact. You're able-bodied. You have a kitchen and money to buy food. There's no place for I'll never in this equation. Fluff. Falsehood to be ejected from any further thinking. Likewise, squinting at the future and not seeing the ability to keep exercising is irrelevant. You aren't making a commitment to exercising five years from now. Who can commit to doing anything five years from now? Self-efficacy is about your perception of your ability to complete a task, not to become a different person. Neither is it a blanket statement about your character or ability to take on any and all change. It's about a particular change at a specific time. We live life, after all, in the particulars, in the day-to-day. Can I eat an omelette instead of frosted flakes for breakfast? Can I do 20 minutes of bodyweight exercises over the lunch hour? Can I get to bed by 10 o'clock tonight? That's really all that matters. When we focus our capacity for the task, it depersonalizes the process. Suddenly our baggage can't rear its ugly head to manipulate or justify. Those negative, self-defeating storylines feed off of vagueness. The collapsing of past into distant future. They lose intimidating dimensions in the present day. Research aside now, I've said before that who you are tomorrow will decide what you're capable of tomorrow. Your job is simply to decide today based on who you are and what you're ready to do today. That's it. None of us can make judgments about ourselves five years from now or even five weeks from now. I'd argue that five days from now is irrelevant. It's literally today. What can you believe you're capable of accomplishing today? Scale it down to scope. Yes, there was a sense of larger patterns, but life was lived in the action of the present moment. I think of those suggestions you read now about how to give your children confidence. Naturally, the younger generation is on my mind lately with the release of the book Primal Girl. The experts agree that we don't foster confidence in our children, whether preschoolers or adolescents, by assigning descriptives to them. Oh, you're so smart! you're great at sports, you're a natural leader, you're beautiful and healthy, blah, blah. Offering them blanket statements imposes blanket truths that they can't possibly live up to all the time. From there, the dissonance inevitably confuses and possibly derails them. The better way is to praise their effort, to note their dedication, to celebrate the time and passion they put into their endeavors. Funny how what works for the youngins still works for the old folks. I'd argue we do ourselves a disservice when we trump up self-efficacy as a larger-than-life confidence or even swagger to achieve whatever we can envision. The truth is we can build our own sense of self-efficacy by witnessing the evidence of our own dedication to the tasks we set out for ourselves. The question isn't so much, can I achieve this, as much as it is, can I show up for this? It's an inquiry into both willingness and readiness. What's blocking either or both of those elements? Finally, I'd suggest that self-efficacy is a commitment to self-knowledge and even self-experimentation. You know I'm fond of that. When we choose to get healthy, to get strong, to feel better throughout the day, to enhance our life and longevity, we're not really signing up for living a particular formula. Formulas are like diets. They're not sustainable in the long run. I see self-efficacy as a dynamic force that requires continual investment, that has to respond, live, and breathe in the present. There's no settling for abstractions or living off your laurels. It's about having the courage and determination to show up for real-time self-discovery. What do you need to let go of to feel up to the task? What influences, messages, people... What positive inputs do you require to maintain the perception of your capacity? We can cultivate true self-efficacy by focusing on the task, but appreciating the dimensions of our process in getting there. What thoughts does the subject bring up for you? How do you invest in your own self-efficacy, and how do you benefit? Share your feedback over at MarksDailyApple.com.
0: Many health experts believe that gut bacteria represents the next breakthrough in optimizing health and immune function. When you nourish healthy intestinal flora with primal eating habits and the high-potency probiotics of primal flora, you protect yourself from the everyday illnesses and compromised digestion that are common in stressful modern life. The unique strains of probiotics of primal flora help you improve digestion and regularity, bolster immune function, and can even assist you in weight loss by optimizing fat metabolism. One daily capsule is all it takes your body is thriving with billions of healthy gut bacteria so that you can enjoy optimal health 24-7. Order Primal Flora today at primalblueprint.com to take advantage of our risk-free trial.
1: How to overcome the I'll-do-it-tomorrow instinct. It's a long and irrelevant story as to how this movie reference re-entered my consciousness lately, but bear with me. I'm not into rom-coms, Surprise, surprise. But let's just say I have people in my life who are. There's a famous scene in the old 80s flick when Harry met Sally. No, not that one. When Billy Crystal runs a couple of miles through Manhattan, fueled by the realization that when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Don't give me too many points for this, thanks Google, but that line has stuck with me since I heard it who knows how many years or decades ago. Yes, it's a nice sentiment, but at the time, I admittedly connected, again, little surprise, more of a trainer's message to it. Shameless, I know. When you know the life you want, why wouldn't you want it to begin now? Why would you want to put off what you want today for tomorrow? No, Rome wasn't built in a day, but there's a lot to be said for the feeling of being on the path. Mentally and physically, you reap the benefit of every day you live a better life. No? Yet, damned if we don't play that old sabotaging card, putting off our goals for a mythical tomorrow. What is it with us humans? For some strange reason, we bring this magical thinking to time, imagining that tomorrow will somehow be fundamentally different than the same hour today. Yes, a different date will come up on your phone tomorrow morning, but that singular digit holds no particular capacity. Do we honestly think something will be changed tomorrow? We'll win the lottery and not have to go to work. The kids will dress and feed themselves with no reminders or aid. Our brains will be more motivated and capable of accepting change. Our bodies will have gained strength and stamina overnight to crave a hard workout. You could say it's simply abject laziness. You could call it inertia. I'd suggest you be right to a degree in both cases. Add to this, I think, the acknowledgement that the human mind is immensely gifted in the art of mental games. While we rationally know we earn our goals one exertion at a time, we see future investments as somehow more fruitful. I wonder why we accept that illusion so readily. The fact is, all days themselves are created equal, yet today is the one you have in front of you. It's the one you have to work with. Tomorrow will actually be today in a few hours, and all that magical thinking you imbued it with will vanish. It will feel just like today, except you lost the benefit of the day before, and we will once again be surprised. Whether it's a modern or simply human tendency perhaps doesn't matter. The real question is this. How do we push back on our tendency to put off what could be started and enjoyed today? Lose the cold turkey mentality Sure, it works for some people to change in one big push. However, if a fixation on a cold turkey method keeps you from actually making meaningful change, accept that this particular approach isn't going to work for you. If you can't make a perfect choice, make a great choice. If you can't make a great choice, make a good one. If you can't make a good one, then at least avoid going nuclear. Example, skip the drive through Commit to something that will push your process forward. Behavior change experts often cite the cycle of change theory, which holds that people go through a series of steps to institute a behavior change, including a beginning, pre-contemplation stage, denial and justification, a contemplation stage, consideration and information gathering, preparation, planning and troubleshooting, action, implementing and substituting behavior, and finally, maintenance, continuing and refining action. If you can't bring yourself to action today, do something to push forward your contemplation, or, better yet, preparation. Make a list of healthier meals you could make for dinner, buy better food for any snacks you feel you must have in a day, or come up with three ways to fit in some kind of physical activity after work. If you don't do anything different today, you won't be in a position to achieve anything different tomorrow. Make a present moment commitment. Overwhelmed by devoting a whole day to healthy behavior? Choose to make better, not perfect decisions for an hour. If it needs to be 15 minutes, make it 15 minutes. That's all. Walk past the vending machine. Don't eat anything left over from the meeting that's sitting in the break room. Get up 15 minutes early and make some eggs for breakfast. Do some body weight exercises for 15 minutes. Spend 15 minutes on your lunch hour walking and getting some sun. Make it easier. If you're resistant to doing what's healthy today, maybe it's because you associate too much effort with a good choice. When we're early to the behavior change game, a little extra effort can feel larger than it is. Keep healthy as simple as possible. Do as much as you can to make it difficult to fail. Set an alarm for yourself to go work out. Accept any workout as a small victory. Go out to a restaurant where you know you can simply order steak and salad. Go to bed an hour early. Go for low-hanging fruit today if you're tempted to wait until tomorrow. Surrender the delusion that change is about the right circumstances. It's so easy to blame a long workday, your kids, your spouse, budgetary constraints, daily stress, a bad night's sleep, the weather, yada, yada, yada. Who or what in the universe is your favorite scapegoat? Go on. We all get cranky some days. Guess what? Life never gets easy. If you're waiting for a magic barrier-free stretch, good luck. People who experience the most success, satisfaction, and peace in their lives are the ones who don't wait around for it. Tomorrow will present its own set of annoying circumstances. Beginning will still be as inconvenient. Effortlessness is and will always be fiction. Accept reality and build your effort around it. Get in a better mental place. If the idea of committing to healthier behavior itself is too much, consider whether there's a legitimate need behind your resistance. Are you tired? Hungry? Or hangry? Overstimulated? Anxious? Lonely? Are you ready to eat that donut because it's 2 o'clock and you're realizing how much you hate your job or because it's 8 at night and you resent being stuck at home alone? What do you need to do to get out of the emotional trap? Hint, Krispy Kreme or Ben and Jerry's won't help. Do something fun. Yes, a brisk run or healthy salad would work your biology towards your emotional advantage, but do what you can. If it needs to be eating a hard-boiled egg to drum up the energy to make something more substantial for lunch do that. If it needs to be turning around a cynical, woe-is-me mind by watching 10 minutes of Louis C.K. on YouTube, do that. If you need to get 5 minutes of sun to wake up, well, there you go. Contact somebody. Anybody. For the love, don't think you have to do it alone. If you don't have a friend or partner you can count on for encouragement, get involved in the forum over at MarksDailyApple.com. Send a message today. Now would be good. The comment board at the website can work too. Even a well-designed app can be a holding container or feedback source in a pinch. I highly recommend getting out of your own headspace as often as possible. Sometimes it's your greatest asset. Other times it can be the most defeating place you've ever visited. When your best thinking is keeping you stuck in the illusion of I'll start tomorrow, it's high time you tapped into someone else's perspective on what can be done today. Have you ever found yourself on the inert side of I'll do it tomorrow? What got you over the hump? Share your anecdotes and suggestions over at MarksDailyApple.com. And thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Looking for a nutritionally balanced, low-carb meal on the go? Want to take the edge off hunger and sustain your energy until your next meal? Primal Fuel makes Primal Paleo-style eating quick, simple, and delicious. Healthy doses of high-quality fat from coconut milk, protein from ultra high protein isolate, probiotics from artichoke, healthy fiber, and only 6 grams of all natural carbs per serving in a delicious and incredibly satisfying shape. With 20 grams of the highest biological value protein per serving and 6 grams of soluble prebiotic fiber, Primal Fuel is perfect for any occasion, breakfast, lunch, dinner, or as a snack or dessert. Tempt your buds today. Visit PrimalBlueprint.com to order in 15-day or 30-day sizes.